Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yo, 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 what up? Welcome to the FIGHT podcast, the weekly combat sports and culture podcast. I'm Serge Vicente, and we have a great show for you guys today. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about Bellator Heavyweight Grand Prix Finale, UFC 233, and this week's fight news. But before I get into that, remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off of your first three months. Remember... The Fight Podcast is on all social media platforms at The Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show by checking us out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, share. The Fight Podcast is now on all places that you go ahead and listen to podcasts. SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and many others, man. So go ahead and check us out. All right, boom. Yo, welcome to the show, man. Um, it is a beautiful Thursday morning here in Chicago. Super nice and balmy. What's that balmy 15 degrees? Um, I don't know if you guys have been to Chicago, but yo, the cold here gets to a totally different level in the winter. Uh, the end of January and February by far are the worst months of the year here, man. But yo, if you have a lady, I guess it's great. You can go ahead and cuddle up and, and stay inside. But uh, this city obviously doesn't sleep. People say New York doesn't. But this one, I don't care if it's snow on the street. I don't care if it's a blizzard. Nothing shuts down, man. So everybody's up and moving um, no matter how cold and ugly it is outside. But uh, hey, man, it's all good. I'm sitting here, you know, bundled up. Uh, at the studio drinking coffee. I got to the studio this morning and man, always make a good, like a little pot of coffee, man. I, uh, super Puerto Rican. So I bust out that Bustelo and, uh, I'm, I'm drinking some Bustelo this morning. I realized, man, I don't have any almond milk. <laughs> not only do I not have almond milk, I don't have any stevia. All I have is some honey. So I'm over here like a savage drinking black coffee with honey not the most delicious thing in the world but look man i i, I guess i gotta grow man it up today so i gotta get used to it um so much going on this weekend so many fights like i said we have bellator this weekend not only do we have bellator holding it down this weekend with finally it's been a year in the making we have the bellator grand prix heavyweight finale uh headlined by ryan bader and um 
and obviously the last emperor, Fedor Milinenko. This fight is like a crossroads, man, for so many levels. This is like really super old school MMA with a little bit more of the new school uh, MMA. So Ryan Bader trying to become Bellator's champ champ at uh, light heavyweight and heavyweight. If anybody has actually been able to develop and grow and really do their thing after leaving the UFC, it's Ryan Bader. He's undefeated. He's captured the the light heavyweight championship in style over Phil Davis. And then he's over here blasting away heavyweights. King Molawal, who, look, let's be honest, he's really only a, what, 185 pound. He's really a middleweight by, by nature, but he fights up at heavyweight. Blasted him away in less than a minute. And uh, ever since then, he's been doing work. So we'll go ahead and break that down. UFC finally has another pay-per-view. Um, their first pay-per-view in the ESPN era. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And man, so much fight news. Um, the numbers are in on how the UFC went ahead and did in their first event with um, with ESPN. The numbers are coming in. They're great. But is that something that's actually gonna going to sustain? I want to talk about that today and a lot more, man. But um, yo, with that being said, we do have a lot to get into. So let's go ahead and just jump into the fight news. Um, all right, fight news for the Fight Podcast episode sixty-eight. Like I just said, man, the UFC ESPN Fight Night breaks all kinds of records, guys. So check this out. This past weekend's UFC Fight Night on ESPN Plus and Big ESPN debuted and it led to a record-setting night with 568,000 new subscribers to ESPN Plus on Friday and Saturday. This is last Friday and Saturday. Um, That was over a combined 525,000 on Saturday alone. It marks the largest event and subscription catalyst for ESPN Plus thus far. The prelims aired on ESPN and that averaged a 1.4 metered market rate making it the highest rated UFC fight night prelims on cable since all the way back in 2013. On Saturday, there were almost one, there are more than 1.8 million unique visitors to MMA related digital content across ESPN's digital platforms, which is the regular ESPN app, ESPN.com, ESPN Plus, and all the way through. You know, they have so many different things, man. So um, that was the most traffic Saturday for MMA content on record, period. Um, This was also the first fight card of the five-year media deal between the UFC and ESPN. So there's that. And, And here's a question. How should we feel about that? Our first look, it seems incredible, right? Oh, man, this is dope. This is and this platform should be what takes the UFC and not just the UFC. It should take MMA to that new platform, to that next level. But what it happened is this and this is how I guess I'm just thinking about things when I'm breaking this down as excited as I am, because don't get it twisted. I'm super excited about it. I think that this is one of the greatest things for MMA. I think that the eyes and ears and just the profile of ESPN and the reach that ESPN has 
is going to be able to really, you know, bring MMA to the forefront and make it a legitimate mainstream sport, which we I mean, come on, let's be honest, being, you know, combat sports heads. And and if you are a diehard, you know, fan, we've seen the trend kind of happening last couple years was low. But this big deal with ESPN seems like it might be what takes it to the top. So here are my reservations. Are we being prisoners of the moment? It's brand new. When the ESPN started off with Fox, started off with a bang. Everybody wanted to watch it. Everybody wanted to see it. Are we going to keep with the exact same type of enthusiasm? And is ESPN going to continue? It is a five-year deal. How invested are they actually in doing this? But not only do we have that, we really got to start thinking about like, okay, I heard a lot. Now, granted, I didn't have any issues with the ESPN Plus app, but there have been reports that people couldn't see stuff. Things were slow. People were complaining about it. And that's all over the Twitter sphere. You know what I'm saying? So how is is the profile going to change? What's going to happen with, you know, the ESPN, or should I say the uh, the UFC app? And uh, so there's a lot of questions, um, but I'm be honest with you. My initial assessment of it is that I think this is going to be great for the sport. I think that this does bring us to the mainstream when I say us, not just, um, you know, MMA, but just combat sports. Think about this. ESPN not only has just taken on the UFC, they're also taking on, you know, premier championship boxing. Terrence Crawford has been performing for free. We're watching him live on ESPN. Vasily Lomachenko. These are the number one and number two pound for pound boxers in the game. And they're also being on ESPN. So if you're looking at it, it really does seem as if MMA, the UFC, you know, boxing is in the best point that it has been in decades, man. So salute to ESPN. I really love what they're doing. Minus having Stephen A. Smith as the uh, <laughs> as one of the the co-hosts, um, yo, he's terrible, and that that's no knock on. I mean, Stephen A. I mean, yes, it is, but here's the thing: Stephen A. is fantastic with basketball. He's okay with football and everything else, but it is painfully obvious that he knows absolutely nothing about MMA and he knows very little at that about boxing also yo ESPN you have Max Kellerman there Max Kellerman at least has a understanding of the sport more so than Stephen A. Smith has and when they're having their debates on first take it shows he has more of an understanding of combat sports if you are going to go ahead and actually have somebody being the head, being the voice of ESPN, representing ESPN, it should be either Max Kellerman or, you remember, John Anik is there. John Anik, who is the play-by-play guy for the for the UFC, he was the guy, the ESPN guy, um, back in the day. He was the MMA guy for ESPN with MMA Live way back in the day. So let that be the guy. Don't put Stephen A. Smith there just to think about getting extra eyes and ears. He's not what brings people to MMA. In fact, he might detract from it. So that's the only that's my only knock of the entire presentation. But aside from that, it was a great presentation, man. All right. 
Sticking with that ESPN and UFC card. Dana White confirms that Greg Hardy, and again, I know last episode I said I don't want to talk about this guy anymore, but we're just going to go ahead and keep the party moving with it. All right. So Dana White confirms that Greg Hardy will get another shot in the UFC. For those of us who don't remember, Greg Hardy was disqualified. He was a co-main event for the ESPN Plus card this past weekend, and he went ahead and lost via disqualification after he was getting beat up. He, uh, his opponent was grounded on both knees, and he ended up kneeing his opponent square in the grill, so uh, he ended up getting disqualified, rightfully so. But this is what is the UFC's president, Dana White, said. One thing that I did learn about Hardy tonight is that he can fight. He can fight. He's an athlete. Not only can he punch hard, but he can take a big punch. He got hit with some good shots tonight. His ground game. I think everybody thought if he gets taken down the ground, that was going to be the end of him. He got out of trouble on the ground several times, and he learned a lot tonight. He'll get another fight. He made a real big rookie mistake, and it caused him an L tonight. It ruined his perfect record. So, what do we think about that? What do I personally feel about that? I'm going to be honest with you. Dana White's full of it. 100% Dana White is full of it. I have no idea why he's hitching himself and his name and everything to this Greg Hardy train. But I'm going to be honest with you. Greg Hardy is a lack of skill set. And to say that that was a rookie mistake is total trash. I've been in cages, in rings, and I've watched fights with amateur fighters. That does not happen. It doesn't. He trains with American Top Team, one of, if not the best MMA camp in the world. His coaches don't teach that. Everybody knows when your opponent is, has two knees on the ground, you cannot knee him. The excuse that this dude is... Oh, he's new to the sport, all this other stuff. Total, total BS, man. Straight up, F out of here. Greg Hardy, F out of here. Dana White, F out of here. Because at the end of the day, what I saw wasn't everything that Dana White saw. And again, this is my humble opinion. Maybe not so humble, but this is my opinion. When you look at what was actually going on, he was getting beat up. And what happens when bullies get beat up? He was looking for the fastest way out. The fastest way out, he saw an opportunity and he took it because he didn't want to be there anymore. This is somebody who was a front runner. This is somebody who is accustomed to winning. And when he doesn't get his way, he ends up punching women in the face and kneeing defensive, defenseless uh, opponents. Not a fan. I don't think he's good for the sport. And I've said this time and time again. And look, Dana White, I have no, like, I think he just wants drama. I think the USC's philosophy and Dana White's philosophy is, look, no matter what is going on, no matter what, as long as people are talking about us, he really lives on that, like, all press is good press. He has to. That, that is the only thing that makes sense, man, because think about all the Conor McGregor situations. 
chucking a dolly through a window and then what did they do they ended up using that clip as egregious as that was he ended up using that clip over and over and over again to sell his pay-per-view and then when Khabib jumps over the cage oh my god I can't believe that happened oh he always acts surprised when they have set this thing up he acted surprised when Khabib jumped out the cage he acted surprised when this happened. No, you did this. Greg Hardy did Greg Hardy stuff, and that is why that happened. All right. So look, F out of here with that. Um, we have some a little bit more fight news. Uh, moving on to Bellator. Uh, actually, let me go ahead and stick with the UFC. Um, according to BJPen.com, a lot of great news. They they break a lot of great things there. But uh, Tyron Woodley's uh, head coach and former guest on the Fight Podcast, Den Thomas. Um, if you haven't got a chance to check it out, check it out, man. Uh, he's a great guy. Hopefully, we'll be able to get him back on the show at some point soon. But Den Thomas was asked about Kobe Covington and actually what is going on. Does he be- does he deserve a title shot over Kamaru Usman? Because everybody always believed that Kobe was going to get that next crack at the 170-pound the belt. So uh, Den Thomas said this, Kobe does deserve that title shot, though. Tyron had to eat it for two years. Kobe's been poking poking him with a stick for two years, and he's earned it. And we recognize that. Kobe beat everyone in front of him. He won the interim belt and said that he's and said what he said. So Tyron was ready for him. But then Usman came along. Usman, in his own way, earned the right to fight Tyron as well. But we thought he shouldn't have gotten in the line. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter to Tyron. Tyron said he's going to fight both both of these guys. It doesn't matter who's first. Unfortunately, Tyron doesn't get to pick who's first. The UFC does. They put Usman in. What's done is done. And after Usman, hopefully it's Kobe. We're Kobe, not Kobe. Uh, we, we aren't going to complain about it because he's planned to fight both of them anyways. And that was then Thomas, according to BJPen.com. All right. So. How did I go ahead and feel about this? I think Din Thomas is right. Again, the UFC dropped the ball with this one because they had everything set up for a huge pay-per-view. The knock on Tyron Woodley was that, oh, he's not a pay-per-view draw. He's not a draw. Nobody wants to watch him. He's boring. That's not what I think. That's what Dana White has said over and over and over again. How do you have people wanting to see Tyron Woodley compete? You put him in there with somebody that people dislike more than Tyron. Not saying that people dislike Tyron, but people truly dislike Kobe Covington. Kobe Covington is the definition of cringeworthy. But he is super cringeworthy. The worst trash talk ever. If you look at his social media, he hires strippers and porn stars to take pictures with them in a MAGA hat. If you zoom in on any of these women's faces, they got that look on the face like, oh my God, F my life. How did I get here? That's the look that these ladies have on their faces. But he continues doing it. But think about the storylines that we have. With Tyron Woodley and Kobe Covington. Kobe Covington, interim champ, fighting the champion. That sells right there. Champ versus champ. Beautiful. 
Kobe Covington is an avid MAGA supporter. He wears a little stupid hat and everything. So if he's wearing the hat and then you have Tyron Woodley on the other side, that is extremely pro-black and brown. So right there, there's, there's that dynamic. There's that, that beef, that drama is already built in. You have cultural relevance. You have what it makes sense on the fight side. And what does that equate to? That equates to, to ticket sales, to record sales. And that's what would have happened in this fight. So I totally agree with Den Thomas. I do believe the UFC dropped the ball, but, and okay, and and I think I've discussed it before, but this is how it should have worked. What they should have done is this. They should have had Kobe fight him now. International fight week, you go ahead and fight um, Kamar Usman. That's how it should have worked out, all right? Sticking with Tyron Woodley, Tyron Woodley was recently on um, the MMA Hour with, uh, not the MMA Hour, the area, excuse me, the area Hawani MMA show. And he said that by the end of 2019, he plans on moving to 185 pounds. He plans on fighting and competing at middleweight. I think this is the perfect thing. It, it, this is it's brilliant. And he can legitimately be the next champ champ. How does Tyron Woodley match up with the savages at 185 pounds? Well, think about this. Next weekend, the middleweight championship between Robert Whitaker against the number one contender, Kelvin Gaslam, is going to happen. Kelvin Gaslam is the number one contender, and he has been destroying people out of buck 85. Jacare Souza KOs. Former champion Michael Bisbee KOs him as well. Tyron Woodley used to fight. He fought against... Um, Kevin Gaslam. What happened? One-sided fight. He completely d- d- dominated the fight and won. So he can compete with those caliber guys. He's a big man. He's physical, and honestly, his wrestling and everything will take into place just as fine. I totally believe that he can go ahead and win there as well. All right. Uh, speaking of guys that have been bouncing around weight classes and have competed for the 185-pound title. Somebody who actually defeated Tyron in the past. I want to talk about the Bellator middleweight champion, Rory McDonald. Rory McDonald is set to go ahead and defend his belt on April 27th in the Bellator welterweight Grand Prix tournament in the first round. Well, at least his first round. So Bellator welterweight champ Rory McDonald fights against John Fitch. In San Jose, where John Fitch is actually from and trains, um, in a fight with two results. It's both a title defense for Rory McDonald and it's part of the welterweight Grand Prix uh, tournament. Fitch, 40 years old, is a former top contender in the UFC, former World Series of Fighting, which is the PFL champion, and is on a current five-fight win streak. Rory McDonald is coming off of a super fight loss against Gegard Mousasi. Is this fight a dangerous fight for Rory McDonald after his last fight? 100%. People look at, we have literally washed our hands with uh, John Fitch years ago. People thought after he left the UFC, he was done. 
but he's not. Still extremely tough. He's still one of the most durable guys in the world and a great wrestler. He stifles the game. He makes fighting dirty. He makes it ugly. He makes the fight ugly. And he takes you out of your own game. He can really make life difficult for Rory McDonald. Now, I'm be honest with you. 100% I see Rory McDonald winning this fight. I don't see it being an issue. But still, yo, that 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 is a troublesome, dangerous fight for him. So we'll go ahead and see what happens. And don't forget, when he actually competed against, when he competed against um, Gegard Musasi, yo, he blasted his nose again. Rory McDonald over the last five or so years, he, it actually took him out for a year. His nose was damaged so bad in those matches against the former UFC middleweight or uh, welterweight champion Robbie Lawler. His nose was broken so awful. And honestly, if you guys haven't got a chance, check it out. One of the greatest um, single UFC championship fights I've ever seen. That is the second Robbie Lawler versus uh, Rory McDonald fights. Roy McDonald was winning up into the very last round. Robbie Lawler ended up blasting him with a huge right hand. Um, ended up smashing Roy's nose. And honestly, his nose hasn't been the same ever since. Do I believe Roy has the ability to win this welterweight tournament? Yes, he has the ability to do so. Is it going to be tough? At this point in time, I don't know if he's going to be able to do it. He's taken a lot of damage and there are some savages in this tournament. This might be the greatest tournament I have ever seen. It might be the greatest tournament in MMA history. So obviously we'll see by the end of it. But all in all, man, um, it should be a good fight. And uh, I can't look. Bellator is doing incredible things, man, with um, not only MMA, uh, but their kickboxing, everything with the, the deal that they have with the zone, um, and the zone app, you guys should check out all the fights and what they're doing there. A lot of great stuff, man. So, um, yo, that is our fight news for the day. And, uh, let's go ahead and jump into all the fights. I'm going to go ahead and break down all the fights for this weekend. But before I get into that, remember the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow The Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at The Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show. Check us out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, share. The Fight Podcast is on all platforms um, that have podcasts, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and every place where you listen to your podcast. All right. So many fights to break down in so little time. All right, let's go ahead and start with this week's Bellator Heavyweight Grand Prix finale, headlined by Ryan Bader and legend Fedor Milinenko. Fedor Milinenko, with a record of 38 and 5, is coming in and going against Ryan Bader, Ryan Darth Bader, with a record of 26 and 5. This fight is. In my opinion, man, it's one of those serious crossroads fights. For those of us who don't know, Fedor Emelianenko for the longest time was considered the GOAT of MMA. Big, scary Russian guy at heavyweight. 
Pride at the time when he was really doing his thing was the premier MMA organization in the world that was in um, in Japan. And Fedor beat some of the best of the best. Rodrigo Nogueira, he's beat, um, you know, he's beat Big Nog, he's beaten Crow Cop, he's beaten Mark Hunt, he's beaten, I mean, the list goes on and on. He's beaten the best of the best in a lot of these guys' prime. So many people believe that he's been the GOAT. He has had losses over the last couple years. I mean, we remember him losing to Bigfoot Silva with the devastating KO. We've seen him lose to Dan Henderson with a huge KO. But we've also seen him go ahead and also get some pretty big wins. So what's going to happen? Right? What's about to happen next? Um... With this fight, it should be pretty interesting. Ryan Bader, somebody like I talked about before, is a more, they're roughly the same size because Fedor is an undersized heavyweight, but he's always been able to benefit from his explosion. He's extremely explosive and he has power in both hands. He gets in trouble, though, at times because he ends up getting reckless and just kind of wings. And that's how he ended up getting KO'd by Dan Henderson, he was overzealous. That's how he got KO'd by Matt Mitrione. He ended up getting overzealous, got caught, and got dropped. So, how do I see this fight going? I think Ryan Bader is a better wrestler than Fedor. I think he's more dynamic than Fedor. And I think this fight is going to solidify Ryan Bader as one of the greatest fighters of his generation. So he will end up, in my opinion, by after this weekend, be the champ champ at a buck 85, or should I say a 205 light heavyweight as well as heavyweight. And he can legitimately start making a claim that I am the best bigger fighter in the world. I don't care if you put me against anybody in the UFC. I don't care if you put me against anybody here. I'm that guy. We end up seeing what happens, but it should be a good uh, a good fight between the two of those guys. The rest of this card is actually pretty fire. Also, um, the couple matchups that I really wanted to go ahead and break down are, first of all, we have Aaron Pico with a record of 4-1. And, and I know 4-1 you look at and you're like, mm, Serge, that's, that's not impressive. Yo, Aaron Pico is the LeBron James of combat sports. He is the biggest, the best prospect to ever compete in the sport. He's a wrestler whom could have competed in the Olympics. He is a amateur boxer who could have competed, you know, professionally in boxing. He trains with Freddie Roach. He also trains with TJ Dillashaw, Cub Swanson, Juan Archuleta, and the list goes on and on. He is one of the most well-rounded young fighters in the world. Ridiculous power, but he's only like 20 years old also. So he is going to go ahead and fight against the really, really tough Henry Corrales with a record of 16-3. and Look, Bellator has not been giving him any cakewalks, okay? They're giving him bigger and better opponents. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't see anybody slowing this kid down at any point in time soon. Eventually, I believe he'll end up fighting the champion, Darren Caldwell, but it might not be for at least another year or so. Um, but honestly, by the end of this year, 
And in 2019, um, I think he'll be in contention. And honestly, by 2020, I can 100% see Aaron Pico competing for the championship at 145 pounds for Bellator, man. So I see him honestly getting another late first round, early second round stoppage by strikes. Um, It should be a great fight, man. Keep your eyes open for uh, Aaron Pico. All right. The next big fight that I want to talk about is... Juan, the Spaniard Archuleta with a record of 20 and 1 against former The Fight Podcast guest and somebody who I hope to get on again sometime very soon, Ricky Bandejas, uh, the former CFFC champion, one of the best regional MMA circuits in the world, and he has a record of 11 and 1. If we forget, Ricky Bandejas actually was the guy who went ahead and gave what's it called Gabe Conor McGregor's teammate uh James Gallagher that's Sean McMichael's sweet chin music went ahead and KO'd him with the sweet chin music and with some of the nastiest ground pound you'll ever see after James Gallagher was talking all that noise and he ended up getting silenced Gallagher has since been trying to get a rematch but fam you got destroyed it wasn't even a close fight so 100% he's not gonna end up getting that but how do I feel this fight's going to go? So, Juan Archuleta is on a 16-fight win streak. 11 of those wins are by KO or submission. Five of them are by first-round KO. And this is what makes Archuleta so dangerous. He keeps a great pace. Some of the best conditioning in the world. And again, he trains over there at Rain with Aaron Pico, with TJ Dillashaw, with Cub Swanson. Those guys don't get tired, man. Um, Great wrestling, amazing hips. He he's hard to take down, and I'm gonna be honest with you, man. It's gonna be a really difficult fight. Now, Ricky Bandejas brings great power both hands. He's really well schooled. I mean, he trains with some of the best in the world on the East Coast in Jersey. Think about all those guys. That's the Frankie Edgars of the world. He trains with Eddie Alvarez. All those boys up there. He has a great team. Well schooled power on both hands and this is what i think separates the two of them ricky bandejas is a savage he has killer instinct and if he has you hurt he does everything in his power to get you up out of there so look both gentlemen are friends of the show um juan archuleta always you know communicates with us back and forth on social media ricky bandejas has been on the show i know i'm a little bit biased uh because he's been here he's talked to us but um i actually have ricky bandejas winning this fight i think that after watching the last both of their last few fights i think ricky bandejas size power and the way he honestly keeps distance control and actually deters people from coming from those hard shots will eventually win out this fight he has great wrestling also and i just think he's a bigger guy than juan archuleta this is going to be a good fight it can go either way. In my opinion, this is definitely a pick em fight, but I got to go with Ricky Bandejas, man. So that should be a solid one. I can't wait to see that. And um, that is going to be the Bellator card. It is on Friday night. So uh, check that out, man. It should be awesome. I think it's on the DAZN app. All right. Um, moving on. UFC 233. That's Rafael La against Marlon Marais 2. And um, this is another really good card. I'm going to be honest with you. 
100% this should be a fight night. Definitely not um, caliber for a pay-per-view type of card. But regardless, man, it should be entertaining. Rafael Asensio is the number three 135-pounder um, in the UFC in the world with a record of 27-5 and five against Marlon Marais with a record of 21-5-1. Now, check this out. I was just talking about Ricky Bandejas. Marlon Marais trains with those guys as well. This is a rematch. It was a close split decision. Loss. Um, uh, Rafael Sensao beat Marlon Marais. I had Marais winning that fight. Marlon Marais over the last couple of years couple of, um, has shown, in my opinion, more than Rafael Sensao did. So let me just go ahead and break down these guys' numbers a little bit because, again, they're both awesome, awesome, awesome competitors. And I'm just bringing it up right over here on the computer for you guys really quick. Uh, obviously they're both, um, you know, and, and I mean, they, they're both winners. They both won their last fights, obviously. And they're really, really, really close in a lot. Five, 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 six, 66 inch reach, 67 inch reach, 38 inch leg reach, 37 inch leg reach. So they're literally very similar dimensions, right? Um, Marlon Marais, 48% of his uh, wins, literally almost half of his wins are by KO. In terms of uh, Rafael Sensar, where only 15% of his wins are by KO. 24% of Marlon Marais' wins are by submission. 37% of Rafael Sensar's are by a decision, all right? But 50% of Rafael Sensar's wins are by decision. And only 30% of Marlon Marais's are uh, by decision. So obviously we're looking at the numbers there. Marlon is a more dynamic fighter, okay? And that, that shows by their average fight time. Marlon's fight time is a little over around seven minutes per fight in terms of Rafael Senza, where he's almost averaging the entire 15 minutes per fight. Um, it should be a good fight. Both of them land some solid strikes, but... Um, I think Marlon Marais is just as good, if not better, in the grappling exchanges. I don't see Rafael Sensan being able to deal with his power. And I think Marlon Marais has his momentum going. He has shown me more over the last, like I said, over the last weeks, years, you know, um, since he's been in the UFC. So, and Rafael Sensan was deserving of a title shot. But I don't want to see him fight TJ Dillashaw for the third time. We know how that's going to end up. So, hey. Uh, it should be a good fight. Um, I can't wait to see that one, but I have Marlon Marais winning that fight. I'm going to say, honestly, by a uh, decision. This next fight, super interested in the co-main event should be nasty. The co-main event is against former 145-pound champion Jose Aldo Jr., who was the number two ranked uh um bantamweight in the world against Hanato Moishiano who's the number four ranked Hanashi Moriano Moishiano with a record of 13 1 and 1 um is uh competing against Jose Aldo 27 and 4 all right um this should be a great fight man the last time we saw Jose Aldo he has been looking so much better since those Max Holloway fights and the Conor McGregor fight. He's found something. He's found that hunger again. And when he fought a tough veteran with nasty power in um, in Jeremy Stevenson, 
He finished him. Jeremy Stevenson doesn't get finished. He finished him with a nasty Dutchie combination. Body shot to leg kick to overhand and uh, ending them getting them up out of there. And I believe the second round. Hanato Moshiano, his only lost to um what's it called? To Brian T. City Ortega. He was also the alternate when Max Holloway and Brian Ortega actually competed this past uh this past year for the championship. So the UFC feels really highly about this dude. How do I see this going? I want to say I believe Jose Aldo is going to go ahead and get the W. But something tells me Hanato Moishiano is the new wave. He's younger. He's more explosive. He's longer. And I think he has the opportunity to go ahead and get Jose Aldo Jr. out of there um, in the first uh, couple rounds. So... Can't wait to see it. I might be wrong, but uh, I actually have um, Hanato Moishan winning this fight against Jose Aldo Jr. All right. Uh, the last fight I want to talk about in depth is going to be Damian Maya versus Lyman Good. Okay. Uh, Damian Maya is the eighth ranked uh, welterweight in the world against Lyman Cyborg Good. So. Look, man, this should be a very interesting fight. Lyman Good is the former uh, 175 champion in Bellator. 20 and 4, man. Dude is nasty. Uh, obviously, one of my Puerto Rican brethren as well. He's, um, he's a savage. Um, he's great on the ground. But his losses have been when somebody ends up being a little bit more physically imposing and ends up taking him down. Damian Maya is that guy. It's in, you know, this matchup, I believe, is in Brazil. I, I have to go with uh, Damian Maya on this fight. Uh, I believe he's going to end up getting the submission. Um, look, hopefully I'm off. I, I'd be happy if I'm off, man. But um, at the end of the day, um, I definitely have. Uh, I got a uh, Damian Maya in this card. And I see this. This is also a fight night. I'm sorry. I said it was pay-per-view. Uh, it's a fight night and it's going to be in Brazil. So uh, it's in Rita Costo in Brazil. So it should be a good time. Uh, the rest of the card is pretty fire uh, as well. We have Charles Oliveira fighting David Tamer. It should be a good one. Um, man, Tiago Alves is back fighting Max Griffin. So all in all, man, this should be a really, really solid card. Um, it should be a solid time. And um Look, man, I'll be here to break it down for you. Uh, this is, in my opinion, Tiago Alves's last shot. Uh, but all in all, man, it should be an incredible fight, man. UFC and Bellator is back in full swing. MMA combat sports boxing is back. The Zone has a great card this weekend. I'll actually be, we have another episode this week, um, and I'll be breaking down all the boxing fights as well. So keep your eyes open for that. Um, but all in all, man, it's a pretty good weekend, man. And with that being said, man, let's go ahead and wrap this up. This is the fight podcast i want to thank you guys for joining me today uh we have a lot of great content coming up for you guys this week so keep your eyes and ears opened um this is serge vicente thank you guys so much for joining me on episode 68
eight of the Fight Podcast. The Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off of your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. Follow me at Serge Vicente and check us out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. All right, guys. Thank you guys once again, and I will see you next time. This is Serge. Peace out.